Welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, and we're working today on a problem that's inside Maine, but it's also part of our North American neighbor situation with the country of Canada. We're talking about a new caucus that's been created in Congress. It's bipartisan, bicameral, to work on the relationship between Canada and the U.S., where there are issues that we can cooperate more fully, where there are issues there may be some conflict that we can try to uh, work out. But the whole point is to develop this very important relationship. My co-chair on the Senate side of this new caucus is Kevin Kramer, who's the senator from North Dakota. He and I worked together on a number of things. In fact, I visited North Dakota and, and uh, uh, learned about Minot. Uh, uh, North Dakota is about the flattest place I think I've ever been, uh, Senator Kramer. But in any case, it's wonderful to have you with us today. And give me your view of sort of what brought us together on this. Why yeah. is this so important? Yeah, no, it's great, and, and thank you for the opportunity, Angus. More importantly, thank you for you know for your willingness to to co-chair this uh, important caucus with me. So, a little bit of the history of it. When I was in the House for six years, I was a co-chair, the Republican co-chair of what was called then the Northern Border Caucus, and the Democratic co-chair was Bill Owens from New York, who I just appreciated so much. I liked working with him a lot, and. Uh, uh, but he eventually retired from the House, and um, Brian Higgins replaced him as the co-chair, and I appreciated Brian as well. I still see Brian occasionally, well, pretty regularly, actually, over in the House gym. Um, but anyway, when I came over to the Senate, there wasn't a northern border caucus. I tried to sort of resurrect one, largely at the request of the Canadian ambassador at the time, and because um, he really liked the work we were doing on, on the House side. And uh, and so I approached some people and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm. So I kind of dropped it. And then then, you know, then you and I started working on some things together. And I thought, wow, you know, Angus would be a really good um, Northern Border Caucus co-chair. All of that said, over in the House, they were working on it. They changed the name to the ACES Caucus, American Canadian uh, Economic and Security Caucus, which I think makes perfect sense. Because remembering our relationship with Canada isn't just a, a you know, border uh, state issue. It's a it's a continental issue, right? So so anyway, you you and I got together and said, well, what should we do? Let's do it. And often, uh, we're off and running. But I think to your question about what's so why is it important? It's because here you have the longest, um, most peaceful border in the in the world, probably in the history of the world, um, between our two nations. A lot of similarities, including for the most part a common language. Um, but together, together the two nations are not only big in terms of their size, but very rich in all kinds of things, and most notably oil, gas, critical minerals, fertilizers, um, you know, all, all kinds of technologies. Uh, and and it just seems to me that we we should be working more closely together. And then, of course, you and I both being on the Senate Armed Services Committee, familiar with NORAD, com familiar with um, our alliances, know just how very important Canada is. And um, you know, we just, we just do a lot more together and be a lot better doing it together. Well, I I, I think all that's true, and and I think a lot of people don't realize that we do two and a half billion dollars worth of business with Canada a day, two and a half billion dollars wow. yeah. a day. Yeah. It's more, we sell more goods and services to Canada than we do to China, Japan, yeah. and 
I can't remember, South Korea combined. I mean, it's a huge market for us. So uh, people that say, well, we don't, you know, we don't want to cooperate. It, we're talking about thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of jobs. And I also saw the Canadian ambassador actually gave me this figure that there are 32 states for whom or 33 states for whom Canada is the largest market sure. for their goods and services out, outside of the country. Yeah. So uh, it, it has this enormous uh, economic importance. Now, tell me this. Do you have towns along the northern border of North Dakota that are sort of uh, people go back and forth every day, work in one place, get their hair done? We, we have that in Maine. It's, a, it's yeah. a big part of our sort of culture and history. So, Angus, I, I grew up, my first few years, I shouldn't say grew up, I really grew up, you know, in the Red River Valley near Fargo, but I was born, my, and my first several years of life was in uh, the little town of Rolla, which is, you know, just a handful of miles from the Canadian border. My wife and my mother, my dad, are all from the northern border region. We have many towns like that, but we have, I actually participated in a Memorial Day service one time in in a little community in northwestern North Dakota, where we we literally do a uh, a march from the United States into Canada and back around. And I don't know if the Customs and Border Patrol just looks the other way or how we did this <laughs> thing, but it's an annual event. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then we have a lot of farmers who actually farm on both sides of the border. And and I think and this sort of gets I think to the to the point of of the, the aces to some degree. We can't lose that. We don't want to lose that we don't want you to have to be you know to go through a um some sort of security check just to you know go to work every single day with with a burdensome bureaucracy um you know we used to just wave as we'd go to killarney to to, to the lake uh, when i was growing up in rolla we just wave going in and we'd wave <laughs> going out it's well i, I remember we that. we learned a lesson on this uh i remember right after september 11th when a lot of those border crossings were closed. And I remember working with Governor Engler of Michigan because all of a sudden trucks, there's this huge backlog of trucks and business trying to get back and forth across the border. So we learned what it was like when it was cut off and it was it was pretty bad. I mean, I, I can remember working uh, with colleagues across the Northern tier that uh, it was a, it was a real impact on our economy. It was sort of a wake up call as to how important this relationship is. For sure, and then of course, uh, COVID comes along, and then we 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 had a hard time, as you know, reconciling when to open on which sides, and who's going to test, and who's not going to test, and what are the rules regarding masks, and and, and really, we are obviously two sovereign countries and and we never want to forget that or lose that but at the same time we should be very harmonious in how we how we move back and forth and and we did lose that for a little while you're exactly right angus and i think the caucus frankly helps um improve the the understanding between the leadership of the two countries uh as to why it's important to harmonize our our board well, and, and the, the other piece, the, the other word that's in the name ASIS is, uh, uh, in addition to commerce, is security. Yes. And uh, the northern border of Canada, the northern border further up on the Arctic Ocean, yeah. is right across the, the water from Russia. Yeah. And Russia, I can tell you, in, in an unclassified setting, is militarizing the Arctic Ocean. Uh, they're building air bases, naval bases all along the shore of the Arctic Ocean. And the Arctic Ocean is now opening up uh, in a way that it never has been before. So I'm a big believer that we need to work together on security in a situation like that with the Canadians, not 
do everything, not reinvent the wheel on both sides of the border. And I, I hope that's something that we're going to be able to, to pay some attention to. Uh, oh, anxiety. we have to, because w w when you think about a couple of things, so the Arctic is now a domain, right? It's it's a potential war fighting domain, not only because of what Russia's done, but but everybody's trying to become an Arctic nation, an Arctic country in, in the sense that it's a pathway, if you will, to the United States. And we, one only needs to look at the Chinese spy balloon and the way it circumvented the Arctic or look at what, you know, some of the maneuvering and, and whatnot that the Chinese military are doing in the Arctic Ocean as well. So, um, you know, the Arctic, an Arctic mission is obviously very important to the security of our country. And you're exactly well, right. I I was at a uh, a meeting in Iceland several years ago on on the on Arctic issues, and lo and behold, there was a forty person delegation from China. And I wow. said, "So you know, what brings you guys here?" And the answer was, "Well, we're a near Arctic nation." And I said, "Well, that makes Maine a near Caribbean state." I mean, give me a break. Uh, but the Chinese are very active uh, sure are. in the Arctic now, and. And it's something that we have to pay attention to. It absolutely is. And again, we're stronger together. You know, in fact, that brings up some specific issues. I, and, and you and I both, of course, know and, and talk to a lot of the Canadian politicians, particularly the members of parliament. And when we talk about reconciling and we talk about sharing technologies and foreign military sales and whatnot, boy, if we can't perfect that with our friends, the friendliest nation in the world, uh, Canada, uh, we've got a lot of work to do. But I, I think it highlights the importance of, again, a more harmonious national defense strategy. And I'm delighted that we've been pushing this for years. Finally, we're starting to get more attention from the American administration, no matter what the president is, to, to, to have representation. To But the, the unfortunate part, there used to be, still is technically, but as you recall, there's, there's something called the Arctic Council, yes. which was a consortium of all the countries that border the Arctic, including mm -hmm. us because of Alaska, right. Scandinavia, Canada, and Russia. And... It was one of the few sort of international forum where you could work with the Russians, and it was it sure. was non-military. It didn't involve military issues. It was all uh, dealing with indigenous people and oil and gas and navigation, all those things. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, after Ukraine, the Russians have dropped out. Yeah. So we've got to try to rebuild that. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, because it, it is I, uh, what I told somebody the other day. It's the, the opening up of the Arctic Ocean is like the discovery of the Mediterranean Sea. <laughs> it's a huge body of water, very strategic, very important, that's basically been inaccessible all of human history. Right. Uh, and suddenly you've got transit and energy potential and, unfortunately, also military. Right. No, for sure. And, and, you know, when you talk about that and you talk about what it takes in some of those areas to to get get a boat through, for example, this is an area where Russia has invested so heavily in their ability to cut through the ice, for example, where we've been lacking. Again, gets back to, you know, our, our assignment on the Armed Services Committee and more specifically the Sea uh, Power Subcommittee. We just... Again, our strength has always been our alliances, not not just our own individual power as a nation, uh, but our alliances. And, and this ACES caucus provides an opportunity, I think, to make sure that one plus one equals more than two. Well, 
Certainly you don't mean that the, the fact that the Russians have 44 icebreakers and we have one and a half indicates any problem. Well, it, it does seem like a strategic uh, disadvantage, but who knows? You know, maybe if we had two and a half, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that would, that would be nice. But the let's talk about the caucus for a minute. I think one of the things that's unique about this, we have a lot of various caucus groups on various issues in the Senate, but we've got a lot of House members. Our first meeting at the Canadian Embassy, there must have been 100 people there, yep. including House members and senators. It was a pretty gratifying turnout. Maybe it was the barbecue that the Canadian supplied that uh, did it. Well, it, it certainly attracts me, um, a free barbecue every time. And, and perhaps the, the spectacular view on that great patio just outside the ambassador's office. Uh, it is the best real estate in town next to the Capitol itself. Um, but I do think it's indicative of the interest in, in the relationship. And, you know, at least the last time I checked, you talk about the, the trade numbers and whatnot. The, the states represented by the caucus already involve over $40 billion worth of trade. And I just think that's going to grow and grow and grow. I think we have something like half of the, the Senate that's already expressed interest or signed up. And um, and what gratifies me, Angus, I think, is that it, it isn't just the border states, to your point. It's our biggest trading partner for, for 32 states. And and when I see something like that, I think part of what happens is we become complacent when we take things for granted. And I think we tend to take each other for granted a little bit, maybe, between our two countries. And the reality is that if we take that and create synergy with it rather than just, oh, oh gee, aren't we peaceful, um, we're a lot stronger. I often think we miss the boat on, on energy and, and climate policy, as an example. When we don't have a North American energy policy, and I don't mean, again, we don't, we have to be the same, we're sovereign, but we are similar enough. And the wind, as you know, doesn't stop at the border. The water doesn't stop at the border. In fact, even pipelines, whatever they're carrying, come in and out of both countries back and forth in, in multiple ways. And we ought to be taking advantage of that because, again, I, I, like, I like the word synergy. I've always thought that one plus one, and I'm not talking about common core math, I'm talking about one plus one really does equal more than, than two when you are collaborating and in a in a, a a world where we have a um, workforce constrained right economies boy right. You know, this ability to work back and forth to have companies that maybe have places in both countries you know it, it's just there's just a lot more i think we can do if we're if we're communicating well you and but you bring something special to this kevin because of your experience in the house is it your impression that the House members are fired up as, as much as we are on this topic? It absolutely is, Angus. And I think the House has had a bit of a running head start on this caucus idea. Uh, again, going back to when I was there in the Northern Border Caucus, it was a very active caucus. And here's the other thing that I think is interesting about the caucus. And you no doubt have noticed how very interested the Canadians are in it. I, I think in many respects, they're more enthusiastic about it than we are, because here they are in, the, in our beautiful country, in our beautiful capital city with this spectacular place. And the fact that they can have such a uh, cordial relationship with members of the House and the Senate, I, I just think all of it adds up to a, a really good group. And you're right. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for it in the House. But I also think there's a lot of enthusiasm for it on the Canadian well, I remember when we arrived at the embassy for that meeting with the, with every everybody there. As I recall, the ambassador gave everybody a card about how much money, how much trade was done between their state and Canada. It got everybody's attention. It was a 
was a pretty neat For trip. Sure. We, was, later on uh, to, in this program, I'm going to be talking to the Canadian Consul General, so uh, I suspect uh, I'm going to find exactly what you suggest, that uh, that this is something that they're they're very uh, interested in pursuing. For sure. No, no question about it. And, you know, I actually shot my uh, Christmas message video over at the embassy next to their spectacular tree. And uh, when I got there, the, the ambassador came right out with a little gift. And I thought, well, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. And what's fun about it, Angus, I think, and you and I are similar people in this regard. And I think our border represents this, that we really are neighbors. It, it's, it's, you know, while we're neighboring countries, we have a real neighborhood, if you will, and a neighborly way about us. And the ambassador definitely fits that. That mold. She is. Uh, she's more than just a, a good intellect. She's a, a, a wonderful personality. And so well, it was in Maine, cool. we have a, a we have a close cultural relationship. We have we have families. A lot of people in Maine families came to Maine via oh, sure. New Brunswick or or, uh, or Nova Scotia, sure. and that's part of our history. And we have a French community in northern Maine, the Acadian people. Who were who came from Nova Scotia during the awful period in the 1700s uh, when the English drove the French out? They went. To, it's interesting. I don't know if you know this. They divided into two groups. One went to Northern Maine, and the other went to Louisiana. And uh, they're all descended from the Nova Scotia Acadians. And if you say Acadian ten times fast, it turns into the word Cajun. Sure. Uh, so sure. That, that's that's where, and they're w a wonderful. They're up in the northern part of the state where Susan Collins is from, a little bit west of where she's from, but it's called St. John Valley. But it's a wonderful part of the cultural history of our state. And, of course, they're just families back and forth all the time. Sure. In fact, we have, get this, we have a paper mill in northern Maine in a town called Madawaska where the pulp mill is on the Canadian side of the river, and the pulp is piped across under a bridge to the American side and the paper's made in America. So we've got a, an international paper company. It's not international paper. I shouldn't have said it that way. Well, true. We have a paper company that's based in both countries. That's Well, that's a great example, actually, that illustrates the point. But I want to know, do, do Acadians talk like Cajuns or do they sound more like uh, Bostonians or, or, or mainland? Oh, no, they... They, they're definitely French. I mean, they have a, a French accents. And, you know, a generation or two ago, the French was very commonly spoken yes. in the community. We have two different French populations in Maine. We have the Acadians up north, and then we have the Quebecois who came from Quebec to work in the mills of southern Maine and Massachusetts in the 1880s to the 1920s. So we have two separate but very vital and wonderful, rich French communities in Maine. I remember being in the grocery store 30 or 40 years ago. It wasn't uncommon to hear people speaking French uh, just sure. routinely. Sure. No, for sure. Well, um, in North Dakota, we don't have, I, I can't think of a lot of um, Canadians that moved to the United States or moved to, to North Dakota, but we do have a, a pretty strong French connection um, because of the ox cart trails that, that went through North Dakota and the trading, the, you know, the trading between the French and particularly, you know, some, some of our Indian tribes. And so there's a, there's an entire historical trail called the ox cart trail. You might recall that uh, Sakakawea, who became Lewis and Clark's guide. Yeah, right. And, and she, exactly. And so she, of course, was married to a, to a Frenchman. And um, 
the first city in North Dakota is the town of Pembina, which is right on the border and has a, a very important port crossing uh, because right on the Interstate 29. So it's a, it's a major crossing for trucks and a lot of agricultural products to go back and forth. But the French Canadians are very, very important to North Dakota and to our culture up in the, in the northern uh, northern part of our state. Uh, well, to, Kevin Kramer, I, I really appreciate your joining me today. And now, look, I've visited you in North Dakota. you got to come to Maine sometime. We have this big ocean thing going, you know. Yeah, I know. So I've, <laughs> I've been to Maine. I have friends that have a home on Little Deer Isle. Maybe I've told you this. And oh, honest, yeah. To Pete, I mean, my wife, Chris, and I spent a, a, about a week there, and it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. And not only that, but it's so Americana that to talk to the people, to pull over, just even just to pull over to a couple of guys sitting in lawn chairs outside their garage with the American flag flying. I mean, it's right out of a postcard. So no, I love it. But I'd love to come up there with you. And uh, Well, and you're sure. welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, I, I heard about an old lady at, in, from Little Deer Isle that died and went to heaven. And St. Peter said, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Little Deer Isle, Maine. And he said, well, you may not like it here. Uh, so, anyway. I believe well, it. Believe me. Well, Kevin, I'm looking forward to working with you on this, and and we'll wrap our friends in the house in and and see if we can't uh, do some good on wherever the problems are. I mean, that we want to. If right. there are irritants, if there are problems at the border, I know we had some problems earlier on during COVID with the Canadian had this app that you had to fill out that wasn't very right. good. So we got to work on those kinds of things. But it's nice to have a, a channel. And as you say, I That's think right. the on the Canadian side, they're very receptive. Yep, I agree. I, well, I look forward to working with you, too. Um, I value your um, your expertise, your, your wit, and your friendship. <laughs> so <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Kevin. And uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to work together. And I'll, uh, I'll see you on the floor and hopefully uh, sometime soon in Maine. Thanks I so much. I look forward to it. Thanks, Angus. All right, bye-bye. See ya. I want to thank Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, my co-chair of the ACES Caucus, working with Canada to improve relationships and the economy between our two countries. Uh, and now we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Bernadette Jordan, who is the brand new consul general from Canada in Boston, and she's in charge of uh, New England, including Maine. So we'll be right back. Stay with us on Inside Maine. Welcome back to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, and this month we're talking about the relationship with our neighbor to the north, uh, to uh, Canada. And part of the reason we're having this discussion is that a group of us in the Congress, in both the House and the Senate, bicameral, bipartisan, have set up a, a group on the uh, American-Canadian Economy and Security, the so-called ACES Caucus, uh, to develop these relationships, to try to find where there are issues that can be resolved, but also where there are relationships that can be strengthened to the mutual benefit of our two countries. We just talked to Kevin Kramer, my co-chair of the caucus uh, from uh, North Dakota, and now I want to introduce uh, Bernadette Jordan from the sh south shore of Nova Scotia, one of the most beautiful places in the region. Uh, Bernadette, welcome to the program and, and uh, welcome to being Consul General. I understand you've just been on the job for a few weeks. Yes, thank you very much for having me today. And yes, I have. this is the end of week three, so 
uh, still being uh, baptized into everything, but it's been really great so far. Now, you, tell me, you, you've done economic development, journalism, but you're also a member of parliament from Nova Scotia. Is that is that so? I'm, I'm a former member of parliament. Um, yes, I was a, the member of parliament for the riding of South Shore St. Margaret's. And uh, just a small riding, it's about 10,000 square kilometers, which I guess in your language is about 6,000 miles. And <laughs> I sure. covered uh, a large area. Um, I'm also the former federal fisheries minister, minister of fisheries, oceans, and the Canadian Coast Guard, and the former minister of rural economic development. I love the term riding. We call them districts. Where's the term <laughs> you riding? You call them districts. <laughs> what, what, what's the, what's the argument? I mean, it's. I, you know what? I really don't know. I mean, it's just something that uh, I've always known it as a riding. It's what we we call all of our our, our districts, I guess, is uh, is the riding. Well, maybe in, it was in the old days. Is how far the 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 horse, the horse could go. go. <laughs> you know, you know, could be. Well, uh, <laughs> welcome to the program, and and uh, delighted to to chat. And of course, uh, there are a whole lot of areas. I think the way where Kevin and I were talking about was was the economy. It's over $2 billion a day between our countries. I think a lot of people are surprised at that. Yeah, $2.5 billion a day, or, or actually you can even break that down to $1.4 million a minute. You know, when you think about that, this is a huge uh, partnership that we have between the U.S. and Canada, and it's one that we have to continue to to nurture and grow and uh, for the good of all of our economies. Well, and it and you know those those dollars translate into jobs on both sides of the border, right? And and you know, I mean, even if you just look at the state of Maine specifically, there are over a hundred Canadian companies here who employ over seventy seven hundred people in Maine. Um, so you know, it's a, it's a it's a it's an important it's an important partnership that I hope that we can continue to grow even more. Well, of course, we have the the Irvings who have uh, about a million acres of woodland and and. At least two that two sawmills that I know of that employ people up in Arista County and then down uh, in the in the Dixfield area, and they're they're a a, a good corporate citizen. So as you say, mm -hmm. some really uh, close connections, and of course, along the main border, both with New Brunswick and and Quebec, there are cultural and family connections. People go across the border every day uh, to to either visit or work. Uh, at, it's a it's it's a very important part of the of the culture and economy of those of Arista County and and uh, Washington County. Yeah, you know, we, and of course, you know, I mean, we've been more than uh, neighbors. We've been partners and allies in so many different ways over the number uh, over a number of years. Um, even just this, as as early as this past summer, when we were facing you know horrific forest fires where I live, it was uh, people from New England who came to help battle those forest fires. Um, you know, I mean, what we were able to do for for Americans during 9-11 and, and, you know, bringing in people uh, when the planes landed, taking them into our homes, literally and figuratively. Have you, have you, know, you so, seen that, that wonderful play from away, the, the story? I have seen come from away. It's a wonderful story. And, you know, I mean, even I'm going to just like on a personal note from there, my, my cousin was actually on the way from London to uh, Kentucky and was one of the people that was grounded in in Newfoundland. So, so it was, it's you know, everyone seems to know somebody that's been impacted. Yeah, that, uh, and it's just it's such a great play, story. Which was, a, which was a hit Broadway play, was about the what happened when all these planes coming in from Europe were grounded in, in this very small town in, in Newfoundland. And, and the families, 
took people in and people were worried about how they were going to get out. It's a, it's a wonderful play. And, and uh, I, I recommend it if anybody, if you see it, if it's playing in your, in your town, it's a, it's a great story. It's also, you know, I mean, and what's really interesting is the friendships that have been forged since then from the people who were grounded there. And, you know, one of the things I think that a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of uh, the, the people who were, the, they were called the plain people in Gander, um, continue to go back and, and have kept those relationships alive since since 9-11. And uh, I think that, I, I'm, I believe I'm correct in saying that Gander is actually the only place outside of the U.S. that actually has a piece of one of the, the towers that was gifted to Gander for for oh, helping I, the, I aware of that. the people. Well, let, yeah. Let's go back to the economy and, and economic. Sure. The, the free trade agreement has obviously been very important. Are there are there problems when you were getting ready and preparing to take over this new position? Were there things that, that Ottawa said, this is something you've got to pay attention to or think about? Are there things that we, we need to, to be aware of that are potential uh, friction points? Well, I think that one of the things we have to be continually aware of is making sure that we, we, we talk about the relationship and then we make sure that people are aware of how important this relationship is. Um, you know, I see that as one of my main roles here is to, to keep those doors open and to keep those conversations going, making sure that people understand that, you know, Canada is Maine's number one customer. Um, we, we rely on, we're actually, the, America is our number one trading partner. Um, making sure that people are aware that when there are policies and, and uh, things put in place that we have to be, that might impact us, it's, it's going to impact everybody. So we need to continue to have those important conversations, to continue to work together, to continue to collaborate. Um, when I look at things like, you know, when I look at Maine and the largest export from Maine to Canada are uh, forestry products, seafood, and fuel. And then when I look at what the biggest import from Canada into Maine is, it's forestry products, seafood, and fuel. It just shows the linkages and how important that our supply chains are to, to, to the integrated economy. So I just think that, you know, making sure that we continue to keep those lines of communication open is extremely important to all of us and to continue to grow those economies. I mean, there's so much potential for us to um, you know, continue to build startups, to continue to, to look at the innovation sector and how we can, we can grow together. Uh, so I think that, you know, that's kind of where I see myself. I think I'm three weeks in here. So, Senator, you've got to <laughs> maybe in another year we can have a conversation and see if anything's changed. But right now, I think that building relationships is my primary goal. Well, I, I, when I was governor, I was a big promoter of, of exports to Canada and, and elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I used to start my speeches by looking out at the audience and saying 5% and long pause and everybody would look at me and scratch their heads and I said 5% is the proportion of the world's population that lives in North America. What that means is that 95% of the market is somewhere else. And I think you know part of our our job is to open up those markets and open up our 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 companies and our citizens to, to realize that there's this huge opportunity out there for for growing businesses and and I think the relationship the the going back to NAFTA the relationship with Canada has been uh, mutually beneficial um, let, let's turn for a minute to to national security uh, one of the things that we're concerned about in Washington is the is the Russian um, 
I guess the word is militarization, the, the, the work that they're doing in the Arctic, where they're rebuilding bases and air bases and all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. That's another area where I think our two countries can really step up the, the cooperation because uh, uh, it's it's a it, it, you know it's it's a concern and they're the, 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 this is no joke. I mean, the, you look at a map and there are uh, I don't know a dozen or more new either new or rejuvenated bases along the Russian side on the Arctic Ocean. And of course, as the Arctic Ocean opens up, it's a whole new area of potential cooperation or conflict. Yeah, and I think you know I mean as as a Canada is an Arctic nation and looking at um, you know, some of the things that are happening with regards to climate change and the changing landscapes in the Arctic, it's, it's something that we do have to be very cognizant of. I know when, when I was Minister for um, Fisheries Oceans to the Canadian Coast Guard, making sure that we had new Coast Guard vessels that were able to patrol the Arctic was extremely important to me um, because, you know, I mean, those are areas that traditionally we've, we've never, because they were frozen. You know, I mean, we really, we did not have to worry too much about a lot of the, the challenges, but we're not seeing that this is in the same light anymore. So, you know, making sure that we work with other countries that are, that have those same concerns. Of course, NORAD is extremely important in that as well. Um, and, you know, once again, you know, it's, it's the whole collaboration. It's making sure that, that Canada and the U.S. are, are working together um, for the common, for our common interests. We've, you know, I mean, we've had such a long, history of friendship and partnership and, uh, you know, working together. I think that there are so many commonalities between our two countries that, that we have to make sure that we continue to keep those, those communications lines open. Well, there's a, and there's a dollars and cents reason too. I mean, if it's, it's mm -hmm. makes sense for us to work together and share the burden rather than each one having to build its own own shield, uh, and, and and I think that's important. And the the Arctic is an area, as I mentioned. The, uh, if you think about it, the Arctic Ocean is suddenly becoming available for navigation and all all kinds of other uses. And it was it's never been accessible in human history. Uh, and so there's a lot of opportunity there, but also potential. And also, as you know, it's it's a it's it's a very difficult moment for the indigenous people. Uh, yes. in, the, in terms of their ability to to follow their traditional, you know, going out on the ice and hunting and all all that, it's a, I'm sure it, I know that's something that that Canada is very focused upon. And I'm I'm really glad you brought that up, Senator, because it was one of the things when I when I traveled to the north um, that I heard from Inuit leaders, particularly about you know the challenges that they have now with regards to it's 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 kind of a catch-22 because yes of course they want the growth that can come from from an open uh, a more open waterway but at the same time they're also concerned about losing their traditional their traditional ways of hunting and their and traditional ways of fishing and what that looks like to the rest of the world so i think that those are all things that we have to be you know, aware of as we do, as we develop, um, you know, into the Arctic, as people are starting to, to look at cruise ships that go there or, or, you know, um, different ways of getting goods and services to different areas. Um, you know, you, you don't want to, you, you don't want a whole culture to be lost, but at the same time, you know, we, we have to, we have to find that balance. Well, that's a, raises sort of a larger question. I mean, change is part of human history. What is, different about the moment that we're in is the speed of change. 
the speed uh, of change. I would agree with you 100. <laughs> percent You know, it took it took a couple of hundred years to go from uh, coal and wood burning to fossil fuel energy source, and now we're talking about trying to make a, a new transition in a in you know a dozen years or so. And the same thing, you know, the, I'm sure the the indigenous people along the Arctic have adjusted from time to time throughout millennia. Uh, mm -hmm changes in the climate or the the you know the migration of the of the animals and that kind of thing but all of a sudden we're seeing villages you know disappearing in in a in a decade uh, and that's yeah. that this moment uh, so uh, especially perilous and and important well and i think if you want to see the impacts of climate change and where it's happening the fastest it's in the north it's it's in the you know it's in the north we we've seen melting of glaciers and, and you know, the, the challenges of wildlife and the migration routes, everything is changing. And it's uh, a lot of it is because of how fast, you know, we talk about how fast change happens now. Um, climate change is driving a lot of that. Boy, if you want to see it, uh, go to Greenland. I was there a few years ago and to see these rivers of meltwater pouring <laughs> the ice sheet, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's really uh, stunning. And, and, of course, that's happening uh, all over. And climate and energy is a place that we have to be uh, cooperative. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that, a, that a, the, the electric grid in northern Maine is connected to uh, Canada and not, not the U.S.? It's, it doesn't connect to the Maine grid. It connects up into New Brunswick. Yes, I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go back to the Arctic for one second. Just recently, sure. my friend Car Carolyn Bennett, who was a former minister of Crown and Indigenous Relations, former minister for um, mental health and addictions has just been appointed as the new delegate to Denmark and Greenland. And I think a lot of it is because uh, she would be such a great advocate on those issues that are impacting the Arctic. So I think that that's going to be a really uh, a great boost for Canada to have her in that position. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've just appointed an ambassador for the Arctic. We need to get, get that confirmed. Of course, that's a confirmation or a, slow process in the U.S. Senate, but uh, this is an important step, I think, in recognizing how, how important it is that, and, and as you say, it's trade. By, I tell you, though, what, what uh, I was at an Arctic conference a while ago, and there were 40 delegates from China. And I said, you know, why are we having delegates from China? And the response was, well, the Chinese say that they're a near-Arctic nation. Uh, that makes Nova Scotia and Maine near Caribbean provinces. <laughs> I mean, uh, but they're up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and I think, I think with with the the change in in um, shipping and the change in routes, we have to be very vigilant with regards to uh, making sure that we have a presence and, and that's that's there. And that's why I said one of the things that was important to me was making sure that we had um, the the proper vessels that could navigate in the Arctic. So we're in the process now of building two new two new icebreakers um, to service the Arctic specifically. Well we're that's where one of the places we're woefully behind. We we now have one and a half icebreakers. We have one heavy icebreaker and one that's sort of being used for parts. And that one commutes between the Arctic and the and Antarctica. Russia I think has forty four icebreakers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a real it's a real gap. I mean, icebreakers are the infrastructure. They're the interstate highway of the of the high north. 
Well, and I think just investing in making sure that your the the Coast Guard for me was was uh, had what it needed in terms of infrastructure. You know, some of our vessels were older than I am. <laughs> so, so I think it was important to make sure that we had a good renewal program for all of our Coast Guard vessels because, you know, I, I'm a coastal Canadian. I grew up on on, uh, on the beach. I, I know how important the ocean is to um, not only the economy, but to the people who live around it and making sure that we have it, uh, we have the right services available and the right infrastructure in place was was very important to me. So renewing the Coast Guard fleet was something that I think uh, we've, we've done a lot of work on um, well, and uh, it's something I'm really proud of. Well, one of, the, one of the bright spots in terms of the relationship is the Coast Guard. Apparently, what I understand is that the Canadian and American Coast Guards work pretty closely together, uh, particularly up in, up in that region. They do, and we are so thankful to have, uh, you know, I mean, there have been times when I was minister, actually, where we've had uh, a vessel that was sinking. Um, there were challenges getting the Canadian Coast Guard there in time, and the American Coast Guard rescued the 21 men that were on that vessel. And I am forever grateful for that as the minister um, and thankful that they were able to, you know, do that joint rescue. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is something that, that just shows, once again, how important working together our two countries, uh, between our two countries is. Now, tell me the, the job of the Consul General. Are you like the the sort of regional ambassador? Is that the way the job is? Yeah, I think is, that would probably be a, 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 a good way to, to, to um, compartmentalize it a bit. <laughs> I, I, I have the relationships with uh, Maine, New Hampshire, uh, Rhode Island, Vermont, and in Massachusetts, I was going to say Boston. I knew that was right. So, so we we uh, you know I cover those those five areas in the territory, um, and it's uh, like I said, three weeks in, and this is uh, I'm already here in Maine and have been had a startup event last night and a, a leadership luncheon yesterday, and uh, this morning we met with uh, the speaker and uh, senator, and now this, and so it's uh, it's going to be a busy few years. Well, that that's great, and and we're delighted to have you in in the uh, in the job, and the the relationship is is so so important. And I guess uh, I I want to just a minute or so left. I wanted to go back uh, to the economy, and I presume that's part of your your job is to act Absolutely. as a sort of an uh, in, informal agent and promoter of those cross border uh, economic connections. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I think what's one of the things that, you know, when we talk about business, new businesses and business startups and, and going global, um, I think that it's really important to note that, that Canada is global, that, that, you know, if you're looking to, to grow your company in another country, Canada's open, we're, we're there to help you, we're, we've got a, a wonderful trades team at the consulate that, that are working with a number of startups. Um, and this is a good way for us to, you know, make sure that that uh, companies from the U.S. are able to grow into other countries, into our country. Well, if you were advising our new caucus, the ACES caucus, what would you tell us our priorities should be? Ooh, um, I would say that some of the things that we're seeing are things like um, uh, bio. We're, we're seeing a lot of interest in startups in bio. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interest in green tech. Um, we're seeing, of course, a lot of these, a lot of interest in the blue economy, in the ocean tech sector, in the ocean economy. 
Um, those are things that I think that, you know, I mean, in this area, in this territory particularly, are going to be extremely important as we as we continue to build. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with a quiz. What U.S. state uh -oh. only borders one other state? What U.S. state only borders one other state? Yeah, it's the only one. The answer is Maine. I was gonna say it must be Maine because you you yes. bordered the, you bordered Canada. <laughs> we bordered New Hampshire, but most of our border is with Quebec and and New Brunswick, and of course That's a lot right. of Maine people's uh, uh, family heritage are in the in the Maritimes. And we also, as you know, we have the the Acadian people in Northern Maine who originally, yes. sadly, uh, were driven out of Nova we're Scotia. Expelled. We're all expelled from Nova Scotia, yeah. yeah. And, and, it's a sad uh, part of our history. That's a wonderful culture in, in far Northern Maine in the St. John Valley. Well, uh, I don't know quite what to call you, M Madam Consul General. How about that? That sounds Bernadette. Cool. Yeah. I think Bernadette sounds really good. <laughs> I was in the middle ago and, and met people whose title was Your Royal Highness. And I thought yeah, that was pretty <laughs> My staff did uh, Well, Bernadette, wonderful to spend some time with you. I look forward to, to getting together in the future. And the important thing is to we've got this uh, pretty exciting new, new, new caucus in the Congress. As I mentioned, it's bipartisan, bicameral. And uh, what we want to do is solve problems as they arise and encourage and support the, the new opportunities uh, as, as they come our way. So be in touch well, with you, us. Thank you, Senator. Welcome, uh, welcome to, the, to the U.S. and uh, uh, congratulations on, on this position. Thank you so much. And I look forward to uh, working with you. And I'd be happy to meet with the ACES Caucus whenever the uh, opportunity should arise. We'll, we'll make that happen. Great. Thanks All right. Again. Perfect. Thank you. And thank you for being with us on Inside Maine. This time it's Inside <laughs> Maine and Canada as we talk about the relationship between our two countries, one of the most important in the world, the longest peacetime border in the world, as well as an enormous uh, economic driver of both countries. So I want to thank our guest, Kevin Kramer and uh, Bernadette Jordan for joining me. And listen in next time for Inside Maine. This is Angus King. Have a great week. <laughs>